Welcome to the Mindful Runner Podcast, a show about running and racing, trail and ultra in South Africa. Along the way, we'll be talking training, gear, nutrition, and mindfulness, all in the context of the South African racing scene. I'm your host, Fred Richardson, founder and head coach at Mindful Runner. Stay tuned as I do my best to give you all the information and none of the waffle. In this episode, we're going to be talking about preparing for Ultra Trail Drakensberg, and I'm joined by Mindful Runner coaches Anya Lowe and Justin Ulufsen. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Fred. Hi, Fred. Thank you. So let's get straight into it. Anya, the 21K, a long way to go just to run a 21K, but probably a really good intro race if you're there with other people and you're waiting anyway. How would you prep for that 21K? The 21K has about 900 meters of elevation. So that's like a 4.7% elevation. And that's not nothing. So definitely incorporate yield training into your um, running program. And then make sure you get onto actual trails and single tracks because this is real mountain trail. So it's going to be beautiful, but difficult as well. Justin, uh, any advice to add there? These sort of 21 kilometer distances are, are a real special one. I think it's a good introduction for people as a stepping stone into the the further distances that they'll probably look to participate in at other events. The Drakensberg, when you, when you look at a lot of the, the pictures that are taken, you get the false perception of what it's about because you'll see a lot of the pictures taken on these beautiful contour paths and yes you do get a lot of them on on that trail but it is quite technical underfoot um, and you're going to have to be doing some technical training running on single track and doing some proprioception training as well and you know 900 meters of vert over that course might not sound like a lot but if if it's your first trail run or you're participating in these kind of distances for the first time you've got to pay attention to getting in climbing and that kind of stuff in your training and then the Drakensberg has some proper descent. So you've got to make sure that you've got well-conditioned quads, that you're accustomed to running downhill on technical terrain because you, that's definitely going to be thrown at you on an event like this. But the feedback that's been given from runners that have participated in the 21-kilometer has been very positive, and I think it's a, it's a cracker of an event um, if it's your first time and uh, yeah, a beautiful one to run. All of these courses, actually, all of the uh, the – the events we're talking about have all been set up on a hiking trail. So hiking trail in the Drakensberg is designed for the scenery and for the beauty. Uh, so you're going to run on really scenic trails. Let's talk about the 32 because the 32 adds in the dimension of running at night. Uh, Anya, how is that going to change how you prepare? For me, the starting time is actually quite a challenge. Um, I usually run in the morning. It's my favorite day, time of the day to run. So to actually start at half past one would be a challenge for me and I would want to train that way as well to make sure how I'm feeling because it feels different than in the morning. And then to run into the night, I'll test it once for once or twice to make sure my headlamp is perfect and it's working and I, I can see well with it. That's the biggest part. Yeah, when you're looking at uh, at a race strategy for that, if you've got certain time targets and things like that, just understand that you are going to move significantly slow at night. Um, it does make it quite tricky to move fast at night in the Drakensberg because you are on technical trails. 
Um, so yeah, keep that in the back of your mind. And like Anya said, just make sure that you've got a good head headlamp and you know what your what your night game is all about. And obviously, if you if you have any uncertainty about running in, at night, uh, maybe do a couple of short runs just to become accustomed with running at night and your headlamp. But other than that, it's it's pretty much going to cover what the twenty one k covers, just with the night element that's thrown in there, and then a little bit of extra distance, a bit of climbing. So there's twelve hundred meters of elevation in that. It's half of the Giants Cup trail. That's also one of the beauties of this event is that everybody is running on the same course. It may be that the 21s are only running 21Ks of the course, but everyone's finishing on the, exactly the same course. So you get to see these runners who are on the longer distances, either you're going past them or they're coming past you. So you get to hang out with them for a little while, which is really, really great. The 21 and the 32, there are no cutoff um, times because the cutoff really focuses around the 100 miler, which the cutoff is only the following morning. So there's no risk there. The first race that does have a cutoff is the 62K. Um, and that's the original Giants Cup trail. And when you consider that's a five-day hiking trail, which is run in the space of six or seven hours for the winners, it's quite mind-blowing. So that's 62Ks, 2,400 meters of elevation. How would your prep look for that justin that giants cup trail is a is a real gem of a of a trail to run um, as you mentioned now that the times are quite fast so if you look at the overall times they are pretty fast and it's a lot quicker than than what you would normally get i think in in some of your your, your berg runs over that distance and it's on a very well established hiking trail so in training for an event like that you can definitely look at adding in some some speed work some interval work into your training and then also getting in some heel work and, and um, working on, on being able to run and to get through your climbs quite quickly, because that's going to help you to improve on your time as well over that course. And again, it's quite stepped and terraced in places, and you've got quite a gnarly descent there at the end. So your quads are going to have to be well conditioned, which they, they need to be for pretty much all of your berg running. But because it is a slightly faster race, I think you can definitely in include a lot of your speed work and your interval training. Um, on your trail sessions during the weekend. And I think that's definitely going to benefit you on a trail like that because it is a well-established hiking route. So um, you will be able to see the trail fairly clearly. And then I think you can really express yourself on this route. I think it's one of those routes that you can really pick it and target it and say, let's go for it if you're an experienced runner. But then also somebody that wants an introduction into an ultra distance. I think this is the perfect one for berg running because it's going to get you an ultra distance in the berg. Uh, it's going to get you a sufficient amount of elevation. And yeah, from, from an ultra perspective, I think this is the one to target and to put yourself into the mix. And again, you see so many different runners on the course. It's so inspirational to see these guys that are coming off the 100 and the 100 miler that you sort of just think to yourself, you know, that sort of energizes you on, on this race. So this is definitely something that I would earmark as being a run that you would go for if you're thinking about getting into ultra running in the Berg. Also, there's only one cutoff there at the 30K at six and a half hours. So it's definitely a nice one for first-time ultra. So definitely our pick for your first-time ultra in terms of drama and being a genuine trail course, this is the one to do. Let's take a look at the 100K. Uh, so the climbing there, 4,158 meters of ascent. But what's important to notice is 4,500 meters of descent. So you're descending more than you're ascending. Justin, how 
would you prepare for something like this? I think it's important to note, we look at a lot of these runs and we, and we look at the vert and then we see, okay, there's so many meters of vert. But then we forget to look at the descending, as you've mentioned now. And I think a race like that, you've got to look at the amount of time that you're actually going to be, be spending descending. Because if you neglect that in your training, you could pitch up at that race and that could be your downfall. So, you know, you've got a quick start up there. You've got to touch the tar road at the top of Sani Pass. And then after that, I mean, it's a stiff descent that goes all the way down. And then you're heading onto single track um, where you're running on a couple of ridges and you, you're dropping down against stepped and, and terrace kind of, kind of trails. Um, also, the kind of event where you can add a lot of speed work into your training as well, because you're going to be running on very well-established hiking routes. There are sections there where you can open your legs up and you can really go for it. Um, so, yeah, your, your steady state kind of running and uh, introducing that kind of um, work on the weekends um, is definitely important. And then running on technical trail. I mean, it, it, as we've mentioned before, it's the Drakensberg. You got, you're going to have technical terrain to move over. But also one of those kind of events that if you want to go for the 100K mark, this is again one of those events where you can go out there and you can pitch yourself in um, a run that's going to be at the 100K mark. I think this is, again, is another perfect way to introduce yourself probably to 100-kilometer running. Um, it's a well-marked course, even though you have to have a GPS on you. It is a very well-marked course. So it's a course that you can move through fast if you're a – if you're a seasoned or an experienced runner, it's something that you can target to run a fast 100K. And then obviously, those that are, that are trying it out for the first time, you can really specify your training to this. Speed work, climbing, descending, you can throw everything into the training mix for this one because that's what this route is going to present to you. If you look at the records, uh, 11 hours, 25 on the men and 13 hours for the woman. That's the fastest times on that course. So as you say, a very fast course. Anya, have you got anything to add? I just think this must be such a beautiful race because you're climbing the iconic Sony Pass and you're seeing the 12 Apostles. Um, I think it's it's going to be amazing. And the fact that you can um, have paces, that brings another element to, uh, to your race strategy. And another thing that stands out from a garden route uh, perspective is the altitude that you're running at. Um, so for the guys in Joburg, it might be less of an issue, but for us here at the coast, um, that actually does affect you and you have to bring that into your training as well. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And it's something we'll talk about. I think it, it becomes very relevant when we're talking about the 100 miler. The 100 miler, you've got 45 hours to finish that. And that should give you some indication of just how tough this race is. 45 hours for 100 miles, it's a lot of time. But I think you need most of it if you're going to be running at the back. The ascending there is 5,600 meters and the descent is 7,000 meters. So there's a, an additional 1,400 meters that you'll be descending on. Justin, you've run this course. What are your thoughts? I think in terms of difficulty, Fred, that this one is definitely up there with probably one of the more difficult 100 milers um, in South Africa. I think let's start at the start, which starts at altitude. So if we can deal with the altitude aspect first, um, I think it's something that is make or break in this race. It's something that you need to pay attention to. Um, a lot of guys pitch at the race and then how they're going to manage altitude when they get there. You, you need to spend time training at altitude because that is make or break in that race. You're not just spending 
10 or 12 kilometers up at altitude, you're up there for a good 70 kilometers. And it's, it's tough terrain, it's technical terrain. Um, and of course, the elements with regard to weather up there is also an issue that you need to take into consideration on race day. So get up into altitude, get some altitude training in there and see how your body responds to altitude because your nutrition is going to play an important factor, your heart rate, your pacing up at altitude. These are all things that you need to throw into the mix when you're training for this 100 miler because it's a different game when you're up there. Some guys go up and they don't feel it at all. Other guys go up there and it can end your race if you don't manage yourself correctly. And then, of course, on the gear list for UTD is something that you need to pay attention to. There's a reason why that gear list is on there. You can go up there. It can be hot during the day. And when nighttime comes, you could be blasted with sleet and rain. And then you've got to know what gear you've got. You must know that you've tested your gear during training and then have confidence in what gear you're going to use in, in certain conditions. So that Lesotho section at the top there is a focus point. Focus on your training, get up to altitude, get some running in at altitude and find out how your body is going to deal with it. And if you can get off that altitude section feeling still okay or pretty good, you're setting yourself up for a good race. Anya, do you have anything to add to that? I think this must be an, uh, definitely not a first-time 100-miler. As you said, um, Justin, it's a very difficult one. It's definitely something you must put on your bucket list. I mean, you're running across two countries. You're, you're crossing the highest peak in South Africa. Um, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it's definitely tough. But um, once you've done it, um, you can add that to your Instagram posts. Justin, you have spoken about the altitude adjustments. Now, for the guys who simply can't get to altitude, the best thing you can do is when you're up there is really slow your pace down um, because you will be impacted. There is simply no question. And, and the, the, the telltale signs are the headache, the nausea, your heartbeat feeling like it's pounding in your chest. You just have to take it a little easier there. You almost have to think about the 100 miler is two separate events don't you it's a 78k to get you around the top of the suit and then when you start dropping as soon as you start dropping your breathing comes right and the the effects of altitude disappear it's it's that quick yeah i, I broke that event down and I, I would do it now if i had to give um, any advice to athletes that want to participate in that event is get through that first 70ks or, or 70 odd k's up at lesotho and then reassess your race from there. So it definitely is a race that you must break down into two separate races and don't think too far ahead. Think about getting through the Lesotho section as best as you can. And when you're up at altitude and you think that you're moving slowly, if, you, if you're walking at a good pace up there and you're really controlling yourself, you are actually doing well. And it's that old saying in the, in the ultra community that if you think that you're suffering, you are not alone. There will be guys up there that are feeling exactly the same way as, as what you are. So don't put yourself under too much pressure up there. Focus on that as being the part of the race that you want to get through and set yourself up for the next 90-odd um, Ks that are going to follow as soon as you drop down Sony Pass. All good advice. Once you're on that 100K course, then things are a little easier. Um, and a point that was, that was raised is, and Spurge also mentioned this, um, during his talk, the weather conditions. I've sat on top of Tabanklenyana for three different uh, events, 
manning that checkpoint. And I can tell you now that the temperatures can get down to minus 10, minus 15 with a wind chill factor. And if you are injured at any point and you don't have the right gear on you, so you are either immobile or you're moving slowly, you don't have the right gear on you, you are putting your life at risk. This is, this is real. This is not um, your local trail. This is the Drakensberg, and you are seriously putting yourself at risk. So make sure that you've got the right gear. Speaking to Spurge, they will have two sets of um, compulsory gear, one for the high mountains for the, the, the Sutu side, and then a second set of gear, which you can then swap over when you start descending. So make sure you are using and taking along all of your compulsory gear. When you're planning your race, obviously, if you're not being seconded, uh, your drop bags become extremely important. Now, there are two drop bag points. Justin, talk us through what would you put in those drop bags? Yeah, your first drop bag um, that you're going to get when you um, finish with the Lesotho section is back at uh, at Sani Pass. Um, I think just make sure that you've got some dry gear ready there for yourself. You know, you might get rain at the top and you just want to get dry and comfortable again. Make sure that you're paying attention to foot care, making sure that you've got your anti-chafe in there, dry clothing, making sure you've got the nutrition that you need um, to replenish yourself before you drop down again. So that drop bag is very, very important because that's going to set you up for um, how you're going to move um, in terms of, of what nutrition you're going to take with you uh, when you get onto the 100-kilometer um, course. And then you've got another drop bag at the old duck, and that's uh, sort of at that kind of point where you hit a slightly flatter running on that section of the course as you get into the old duck. So make sure that that one has also got all your favorites in there because that's towards the end of the race. So I think you've got another, I think you correct me if, if I'm wrong, but about another 40 Ks to go after that, uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just make sure that you've got, again, dry clothing, uh, maybe a change of socks, again, foot care, very important, and get yourself that nutrition that's going to get you over the line there. Um, fantastic aid stations that they've got on UTD. They really cater well for you. Um, so use those aid stations as as target points for yourself as well, because you, once you get in there, you know you can get out of there um, fresh and ready to continue with the rest of the race. So those two drop bags, you've got to plan them well and correctly. And if you do so, it's another piece of of, of ammo that you've got in your in your race armory there. And then you have the option of having uh, a pacer as well. How does the pacer change the way you approach your racing? When it comes to pacing, you've raced with paces, you've raced without paces, right? In this event, you can pick up your pacer at 100Ks. They're with you for about 45Ks, and then you lose the pacer again. I think the first aspect that you've got to have a look at there is choose your paces correctly. Make sure that you've trained with your pacer and that your pace, you, you, you and your pacer have got a good understanding. I think that's very important because they're probably going to hit you at a stage in the race um, where they're going to have to basically just listen and sort of understand the kind of place that you're going to be in. And also to know when they're going to push you and when they're not going to push you because, you know, you, you, you're at that stage where if you've got time targets, they're going to help you get over the line and get you to certain timing targets but also not to push you to that extent where you're going to feel that you're going to half sort of burn yourself out. So I think choosing your pacer correctly, I think is very important and to have trained with your pacer a bit so that they understand how you move as an athlete, how you respond when you're tired. All these kind of things come into play when you sort of 
getting a pacer involved in your race strategy. So if you've got a pacer that's going to be uplifting for you and that's going to understand your energy and the flow that you have on the trail, then pacers can be very, very beneficial and they can help you to hit targets. And that section of the race that the pacers are allowed to help you on is actually a very friendly section of trail, if I can put that in inverted commas. Um, so it can be a fun section of trail as well. So if you're going to have fun with your pacer and you're going to enjoy that sort of uh, interaction between one another, I think that's very good. But if you're somebody who prefers to be out there on your own, you know, sometimes it's, it's okay also to tackle these events without a pacer. But it is an option to look at. It's worth exploring that avenue, but just make sure that you do enough training with your pacer so that you have a good understanding. Guys, I think we all agree that this is it's a special event. Running in the in the Drakensberg, um, running on these trails, most all of them actually are hiking trails. It's absolutely beautiful running there. Certainly one for the bucket list. Definitely. I would say all these events are something that uh, it's it's sort of like that perfect step. In, in trail running from the 21 you've got a 32 then you go into an ultra 100k and then eventually 100 miler so this sort of race at utd sets you up to build on each distance and that's what makes it really really special and uh, you know if you look at the different training that you're going to be doing for each event it's sort of like a step up in training as well so i think it's perfectly placed in terms of distances and it's such a beautiful part of the country that you've you've basically got everything right there waiting for you to to challenge. Yes, I agree. There's nothing like the uh, dragon's magic that you experience there. Um, so put it on your bucket list. If you're doing the UTD 160, remember your passport. Mostly just have fun. As always, thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Mindful Runner, check us out at mindfulrunner.co.za. On Instagram, you can find us at mindfulrunner. In the meantime, enjoy your running, happy trails, and don't forget to subscribe.